a special bonus episode, episode 207 of The Virtual Couch. I am your host, Tony Overbay. I'm a licensed marriage and family therapist, a certified mindful habit coach, writer, speaker, husband, father of four, ultramarathon runner, and creator of The Path Back, an online pornography recovery program that is helping people reclaim their lives from the, the harmful effects of pornography. If you are anybody that you know is trying to put pornography behind you once and for all, and trust me, it can be done in a hold the shame, strength-based, become the person you always wanted to be away, then head over to pathbackrecovery.com and there you can download a short ebook that describes five common mistakes that people make when trying to overcome uh, pornography addiction or turning to pornography as a coping mechanism. All those all those things that uh, I have talked about in 206 episodes before this. But I really want to get to the meat of today's episode, This uh, the reason why I wanted to do a bonus episode. So um, you might have noticed I skipped the ad at the beginning because I just want to get to this. Um, with that said, I do continually want to talk about a free parenting course that I offer because uh, that that I hear about that almost on a daily basis now. So you can go to tonyoverbay.com slash courses and there's a way to uh, it's, a, it's called something like parenting positively, even in the not so positive of times. So I highly encourage you to go check that out. It's absolutely free. Um, no, no gimmicks behind that. I just want to help people become better parents. And if you're if you're an Instagram person, head over to Instagram at Virtual Couch. And uh, I embarrassingly even have a few videos on TikTok at Virtual Couch as well, where my daughter and I have tried to uh, to do a little bit of have a little bit of fun with uh, with the concept of therapy there. So go check those things out. I would appreciate that and on my website tonyoverbay.com you can sign up to find out more about things that are coming up but but the reason why I wanted to run this bonus episode is because it's with it's with a good friend of mine a friend who I have known for years now uh, coach Charles Gazaway and coach Charles has been a major um, played a major role in my life. He's been very influential in in helping my son become a better basketball player, a better man. And when I had him on, this episode first aired back in July of 2018, and uh, and that was quite a while ago. And and let me just kind of read what I had put there in the intro. And I think this is why you'll see with all that we have going on right now today, um, why I thought this episode was so important. Uh, in the intro before, I had said this was an honor to have Coach Charles on the Virtual Couch podcast. Coach Charles is a former professional basketball player from, as he puts it, the hood, the inner city of Oakland. Coach started coaching my son and a group of what, and this is what I love about this episode, quote, lily white kids from the suburbs almost four years ago and has taught them more about life and people through the game of basketball than I could have ever imagined. And a year and a half before we recorded this episode, Coach Charles had suffered a serious medical setback, temporarily losing his sight due to complications of diabetes. But he continued to coach through a kidney and a pancreas transplant. Um, he's, he's an amazing mentor. He's a role model, not just to the kids, but to, to all of us lily white parents as well. His coach led his team in, in what was at that time the Cinderella story-like fashion to qualify for the California. California games in San Diego. And at the time we recorded this, um, we were taking the team down in a week or so, and I had offered uh, people could make a donation to help with travel or lodging or tournament costs or food. So you'll hear us talk about this uh, way to make a donation through the Virtual Couch's PayPal account. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to leave that link active in the show notes. And so if now we don't need that was two and a half years ago, um, two years ago. And so we're not, we're not going back down to San Diego. But what I want to do is if anybody does still feel like they would like to contribute after, especially after hearing this episode with Coach Charles, um, donate anything. I'm going to reach out to Coach Charles and, and just uh, see if there's a charity that he would like for us to donate the money, that anything that comes to this um, Virtual Couch PayPal account, I will, uh, I'll donate to whatever 
the the charity is that Coach Charles would love to see that donated to. So feel free to look in the show notes and follow that link. And before we even get to this, um, you know, I, I've been I, I do a lot of bonus episodes, and I'll throw a bonus episode at the end of the week when I want to talk about parenting or when I want to talk about marriage or those sort of things. And so I've wanted. It's funny I've wanted to do this bonus episode about Coach Charles for quite a while, quite a while, because this is one of those. If you go back and look at the numbers, the download numbers, this is one that just continues to be downloaded. So I think that um, it does get shared a lot. Uh, I think that um, you know, even my son who is now just finished his sophomore year in high school, and at the time of this was finishing up. I think eighth grade had told me he had actually just listened to it a few weeks ago. So I think he had just gotten on a, on a, Hey, I wonder what coach Charles is up to, you know, during the, the quarantine, the pandemic. And so he had told me that he had listened to it. And, and it's funny if you Google my name and coach Charles together, there have been a couple of uh, people that have taken coach Charles message and then implemented it and included it in a variety of different topics. There was one that was this amazing Bible study where they had taken some of the things that Coach Charles had said, some of the stories he said, and applied it to some, I think it was like some stories from the New Testament. It was pretty, it was pretty beautiful. I might have to go dig that up and put that in the show notes as well. But, but so I've been actually thinking about running something on Coach Charles for a little while. I think there was part of me that just felt this absence of basketball right now, and it made me think of Coach Charles, and I thought, oh, I should I should rerun this episode. And then the the, the incidents that everything that went down with George Floyd happened, and over the last few days, there's been the the protests and and the um, you know that's been just the the topic of conversation, especially as a therapist, people bringing that into session, and and people that have never wanted to protest before that have protested, people that people that are afraid, people that don't know quite what to do, people that this is the first time that they realize that they they don't know what they don't know, that they aren't aware uh, necessarily of, of their privilege and and want to learn more. So I get to see in my office the way that these these changes are occurring. And I was forwarded an article that I thought was really interesting. And so I want to read a couple of quotes from that um, because, you know, I do. I do work in a primarily, um, you know, as, as, as uh, Coach Charles said in, that coming up in the podcast, an area of, of, of lily white kids and parents. And so it's, it's pretty impressive, amazing to kind of watch some of the awareness happening in my office. And so, but I was, uh, I was made aware of an article, it was probably over social media a few days ago. Um, actually, it says June 3rd. Today's uh, the 5th when I'm recording this. And it's from the Cleveland.com. So from the Cleveland, I think it's the Cleveland Plain Dealer newspaper. But it says, what can I say to an African-American friend as anger arises? It's in the faith in you category. And um, this is by Terry Pluto of the Plain Dealer. And so Terry said, whenever something like the, uh, the death of George Floyd hits the news, I wonder what I'm supposed to say to African-American friends. I'm sorry sounds so lame, Terry says. Now, granted, Terry says, granted, I had no direct role in how Floyd was choked to death by a Minneapolis policeman. It's been ruled a homicide. But the black-white divide in the country is real. The pain felt by African-Americans is real. And the helpless feeling is real and felt by many of both races. And, and I get to see that. I feel that in my office. So Terry said, this column isn't about major social policy or police tactics. You can read about that in many other places. Rather, it's about what I asked Bishop Joey Johnson from Akron's House of the Lord. Quote, what can I say to black friends at a time like this? Um, the other night I got a call from Dr. Daniel Hawk, said Johnson. He's a white friend and a professor from Ashland University. He just said he was sorry and was almost in tears, and that meant a lot to me. Johnson's advice was for whites to reach out to their black friends and share in the pain. Listen to them. Don't do a lot of judging. 
he said, this is not a time for people who work together or even grew up together to have a major debate about police policy, the actions of protesters and other hot point issues. It's a time to show we care about each other, said Johnson. Um, right now, the forces of evil want to divide us, said Anthony Parker, a pastor of Rima Fellowship Church in Cleveland. Parker and I talked about how this can cause people to shut down rather than to reach across racial lines. It's not just a black-white issue, said Parker. It's a human issue. I also get so tired of people wanting to put blacks and whites into certain boxes, he said. Um, so I, I was I, I really appreciated that article. And, and again, it had me kind of think this would be a perfect time to rerun this episode about Coach Charles, because at the time we talked about a lot of things, the his um, kidney and pancreas transplant, his love of these these again, these lily white kids out of Roseville, uh, Rockland, Lincoln, California. And there were I reached out at the time to some parents and and the parents gave me some quotes and so this is a little bit of a spoiler because we get to this later on in this episode with Coach Charles. But man, some of the things that just uh, one of the parents said, I just want to read this. It was amazing. Um, this we we had reached out and said, Hey, what do you what do you want to share? What do you love about Coach Charles? And this was under his. This one parent said a few things I love about Coach. Um, he he had some bullet points, and the second one he said race. He said, Let's be honest here. With a few exceptions, our team is lily white middle class kids from Roseville. They have no business being in Oakland. Definitely have no business playing basketball in Oakland. Coach Charles is African American, and he has seen firsthand the apprehension some of the kids had when playing African American kids. He took some time out to show them that African American kids are just like they are. They're trying to be the best they can be. They've learned to be able to play against anyone, no matter the team, the age, or race, and give it their all. They played against some really great teams, African-American, Asian, Latino, everything in between. And Coach Charles has taught them that between the lines is where your abilities show who you are. It's not what you look like. Um, This parent said, I love that my son has had many positive interactions with a multitude of races that he would not have had other that he would not have otherwise had. Coach Charles is is a positive African-American role model whose interactions are helping to shape my son's viewpoint of the world. And so and I love that shape my son's viewpoints of the world. Um, With that said, I thought this is when I was thinking about rerunning this episode uh, a couple nights ago. My son, Jake, who is uh, I've talked about him on many podcasts, just as a phenomenal basketball player in the area. It's a. Uh, made all league his freshman and sophomore year. He's got some some uh, offers already from some some colleges, which I just it's so exciting. Part of why I really miss um, basketball right now. But Jake had reached out to me and said uh, he said, "Hey, Dad, can I get some gas money?" And he said, "I got to make a I got to make a bit of a drive." And I said, "Oh yeah, sure. What, what's going on?" And he said, "I'm going to I'm going to pick up Derek. I'm going to pick up Julian. I'm going to pick up Adam. We're going to go pick up Tay, and they're going to come back here. We're going to go play basketball at the park um, in Lincoln, and then they're going to spend the night." And I just thought, I love it. And and what I loved about this is here's all of this, uh, this you know, some, there's just some racial tension and there's some um, people that are really looking for awareness and all of this this is going on. And here's my, my lily white son who's going to pick up uh, his, his uh, African-American friends, Derek and Tay and Julian and another uh, white friend, Adam. And the last thing that they were, I don't, they, they don't care. They don't care what color they are. They don't care. They're, they're going to go get together and they're going to play basketball and they're going to hang out at my house. And after the basketball, we went and ran them some, some drinks and things like that at the park. It was a hundred degrees outside. And then we, we grab a ton of pizza. We come home and they are just, they're playing, they're playing the Wii. They're playing Wii tennis, talking trash at each other all night. It was some of the funnest things ever. Uh, Derek six, six, he reaches his hand up talking some trash and hits his hand in our ceiling fan. You know, I mean, it, it was just, it was so fun. And then, uh, I heard them as I was falling asleep, um, out 
back in the pool till who knows what hours of the night. And they just had a wonderful time. They slept in the next day. They got up. They're good friends. And that happens because of people like Coach Charles, positive role models that, that are teaching the kids that, you know, what is race, right? Um, these are all just friends that, that have common goals that play basketball together. And they, they have differences and they talk about them and they just, they're friends. And I love that. And that was part of why I really wanted to rerun this episode. So I know this intro went a little bit longer than I had planned on it, but I hope you'll enjoy this episode, this uh, episode with Coach Charles. And again, when we talk about a donation, if you want to follow the link and I'm going to reach out and ask Charles where he'd like um, any of the proceeds to be donated to. But I appreciate uh, Coach Charles. I appreciate um, this time, this opportunity to change, this opportunity to, uh, as in the article I read, just to sit back and listen and understand. One more thing. <laughs> How many one more things are going to have? On my virtual couch Instagram page, um, just a couple nights ago when there was, uh, I think it was Tuesday night, and there was the, it was kind of the blackout on social media. And I just, I really did just want to say something. I did. And I also didn't want to feel like, you know, well, I, I have to say something. But I just had session after session where these kind of these topics were being brought up. And all I could think about was the concept of empathy. I mean, I, I just preach empathy all as much as I can. And so here's what I shared. Um, so I just said, I preach empathy every chance that I get. And at the core of the teaching of empathy is the fact that nobody truly can understand what someone else is going through because that is their experience. It doesn't help to tell anybody what they're supposed to think or how they should feel. I always say that no one likes to be should on. I'm humbled by all the events of the past week. I empathize with my brothers and sisters who are in pain, who want change. Um, I want to know more. I want to listen. I want to do better. So I hope that that's, uh, that message is one that, that you're hearing, that you're feeling, and maybe that this is going to lead you to do the same. Um, want to know more. I want to listen. I want to do better. So with that said, let me bring on my friend, uh, wonderful mentor, Coach Charles. camera on me coach um, i'm nervous around around you coach but uh pathbackrecovery.com and uh super quick business stuff go to tonyoverbay.com you can sign up to find out more about some programs i'm doing about couples communication parenting i've been waiting for this for a long time uh, my guest today is and i kind of feel like is that fan a little too loud coach hold on what's up to you all right i'm turning this off things are gonna get hot i'm putting you on the hot seat kind of literally that right? works that works okay so uh, my guest today is coach charles gazaway and is that the right way or is it gazaway no it's gazaway gazaway yeah. okay and and coach that is the key um coach charles as we like to call him has been coaching my son in basketball for years now and he's uh i mean he's performed miracles with my kid and we're gonna get to that right um coach what kind of a last name is gazaway i'm curious I don't know. My parents gave it to me. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> the, the origin, who knows? Uh, um, my father would know. I'm not interested. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. Family from Louisiana. From Louisiana. Um, if that has something to do with it. Yeah. I know it's spelled a few different ways. There's G-A-S, there's G-A-Z, G-A-Z-Z, G-A-S-S. And it's all A-W-A-Y. So I guess during the time that they split away slavery thing, uh -huh. saying the word Gazaway, 
not knowing how to spell, so yeah. I figured out G-A-S, some um, G-A-Z. But at all in the melting pot, we're all related. I like the Z. Yeah. You like that one? Yeah, I like yeah. that. <laughs> um, but so I, I, I wanted to bring Coach Charles on. Coach Charles has done more uh, for for my kid and for just a whole group of kids, basketball players that uh, than I ever anticipated that could have happened. So I really wanted to bring him on today. He's got a he's got a, an amazing background. Um, kind of been through some uh, I don't know. I can't it bounced back through some incredible medical journeys and uh, and has led our team to the California State Games, which was uh, we qualified for this basketball tournament down in San Diego. Which um, I don't know. Did you see that coming? No. Uh, right. That. Um... I knew the kids understood what was going on. Mm-hmm. And I knew that, you know, through the years of giving them more confidence, um, that things like this could happen. Yeah. But it's never, well, from my as it's never expected. Okay. So I always just kind of try and stay as even kill for the kids as possible as far as expectations. Yeah. Um, Meanwhile, the parents are over there like, we're going, right, Coach? Right, right. Yeah. And so, you know, I, I can see them getting better, but I've, I never thought that we would qualify for something like this yeah. um, in what I feel is a short time. Yeah. Because I believe that the kids were coached previously, and then when I came in, because it was on an AAU level, I think the expectations changed, and I was even told – that I may have been too hard early ah, okay. and I didn't know if I should have changed it or should I stay with what I knew? And I just stayed my road. Okay. And we, and we got so much going. Part of the reason I want to bring coach Charles on as well is uh, there's a lot of talk these days about the AAU basketball culture. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of talk about, you know, how have kids changed over the last decade? Mm-hmm. How have parents changed over the last decade? Right. Is AAU basketball good for the sport? Is it good for the players? And I feel like you, you can kind of address all of those things. Sure. Um, so before we even get to that, I want to talk about your background. So you, you grew up in Louisiana. No, I grew up in Oakland, California. Okay. Um, inner city kid. Um, mom and dad in home. I am the baby of seven. Oh, wow. Um, so pretty much it was an athletic family. I was the oopsie. Okay. Um, my closest sibling to me, my sister, Denise, she is 10, maybe 11 years older than I am. Wow. So I was the accident. Oh, okay. Child. So when you said oopsie, I thought you were saying hoopsie. And I'm like, I think that I can't, I think coach Charles mean that was a basketball player. And I, was like, <laughs> I get it coach. No, right? I was oh, the, the whoopsie. Yeah. I okay. was the whoopsie. So, so the youngest of seven and then uh 10 years. So your oldest sibling is how old? I don't know exactly how old yeah. my, my oldest, he passed away. Uh-huh. Um, but he's much older than me. I used to call him Papa John. Did you really? Yes. Okay. That was like his name throughout the family because when my dad would be at work mm-hmm. at night or whatever, my mom would be at work. He was the go-to guy. So he was like the in-house dad that didn't pay anything, but he had the authority to spank you. Okay. And, and, would he? <laughs> and he would spank you. Okay. I would still tell, but it didn't matter. <laughs> it didn't matter. Okay. So growing up in Oakland, say you're an inner city kid for, uh, there'll be people that are, are listening that are familiar with the area. I mean, what, where, where'd you kind of run? What school did you go to? I grew up on 35th and Brookdale. Uh, my parents actually still live in the house. Wow. Um, I went to St. Jarlett's school in the Diamond District off of Fruitvale. Um, 
played basketball since I was in the second grade. Mm-hmm. Um, and honestly loved it from day one. Lost a lot from the second grade through probably the fourth grade. I think we were averaging out of a 10-game season, we were probably winning two games Okay, um, in the CYO League. Um, what was your high school career like? High school was great. Um, I went to... I went to St. Elizabeth for the ninth grade. Didn't like it. Didn't think I was getting the notoriety that I felt that I deserved. Mm. I left to go stay in Los Angeles. I went to Verbin Day High School. I went there for two years. Was that to play basketball? To play basketball and football. Wow. Okay. And I was, I convinced my parents that if I went there, that I would get a scholarship to go play basketball. Okay. It worked out. I signed my letter of intent to go to Louisiana state university, um, as a 11th grader going into my 12th grade year. Oh, wow. I had told my mom and dad prior to leaving, if I didn't sign a letter of intent to go to a school by the 11th grade, then I would still come back home Mm. and graduate from the high school that all my brothers and sisters graduated from regardless. Yeah. So luckily I did. Yeah. Went back to Oakland, graduated from John C. Fremont. And then I went to LSU. Wow. Uh, so then were you, were you pretty heavily recruited? I don't know if it was heavily recruited, probably 35 to 40 wow. letters. Okay. Um, Come from somebody who had one. I mean, that feels pretty, uh, pretty heavily recruited in my book. Yeah. I mean, well, you know, there's there's guys out there that had letters on letters. So, Did they? Yeah. Okay. So, I mean, you know, I had 30 or 40. I had the good schools, you know, that I wanted to go to, the Georgetown and things of that nature. Wow. But at that time, Georgetown was a basketball powerhouse. Mm-hmm. And I didn't know if I was prepared for that yet. Okay. And I wanted to play football as well. Oh, wow. So I chose LSU because at that time, Shaq and Chris Jackson, now Mahmoud Abdul-Rauf, were leaving. Okay. Only one was there was Stanley. So Stanley Roberts was still there on campus. Um, I figured that I can go in and play there. Um, But they also had a lower budget football team, and they would allow me to take on that as well. Okay. So I was able to play both. And that's what made my final decision to go to LSU. Man, see, I could do a whole podcast on it. I didn't think about like your high school career. And I mean, if you had to kind of talk a little bit about what, what do you feel like was the key to you getting those offers? I mean, were you a, a big discipline guy, hard work guy? Were you putting up numbers? Were you flashy? What was that like? Actually, I was a team guy. Okay. If you look at Jason Kidd in high school, now Jason put up huge numbers as far as points, rebounds, and assists. I was more of, I would give you 14. Mm -hmm. I would give you six boards and I would give you eight assists. Okay. I played great D. Uh I always made the basketball play. Okay. So there was never, I got to get mine. Me taking that bad shot. I was always like, well, this is, this isn't me. Let me move the ball and mm-hmm. see if I can get something better. Man, that's uh, we're gonna call that foreshadowing. Can we get the, to the AAU uh, sure. debate a little bit later on? I mean, sure. so that that makes more sense. You're kind of coming from this team first. Correct. Mentality. Correct. Yeah. So uh, you get to LSU, and what was that? I, let me ask you. So, if you ask a kid these days, and I still remember my son. Um, this was years ago. Where I, all right, what do you want to do when you grow up? And it was either work at In and Out or go or work in the or, or play in the NBA. You know, I okay. Mean, I think the In and Out part is gone. It's just in <laughs> right. the NBA part. I mean, so did you grow up saying I want to play professional 
basketball, football? I, what was I it? wanted to play professional basketball. Okay. What, what were your parents' reactions to that? You're not going to make it. Okay. They did. Yeah. Okay. You're not going to make it. But they also had the mentality of, but there is a possibility. It, to me and my parents, basketball is your lottery ticket. Mm. What are you going to fall back on? My parents bought lottery tickets every week. Okay. They never hit 50 million. Yeah. But they always went to work. Okay. You know, so yeah. their background was going to work every day, having that extra seven or eight bucks to play the lottery on Wednesday and the lottery on Friday night gotcha. for Saturday's numbers. Yeah. So they always instilled that you can play basketball, you can play football, you can dream big and hope to make the NBA. Yeah. Make sure you get a foundation. Okay. I like that. I mean, you know, from a therapist background, I get people that just want to go ahead and crush that dream. You know, the, right. Do you want to do the numbers, the percentage of people that do? And, and, you know, and I feel like that, you know, kind of now we're off with a kid feeling like their parents don't support them. Correct. But then I also know we'll maybe get to this later too. There's also that you are going to play in the NBA and you don't need to do anything else. And, you know, right. And kind of go overboard. Right. right. Do you see exactly. that? Exactly. And there is a happy medium. Okay. And as a parent as well, you always want to support the kid in their dream, but you also want to have them have a dose of reality as well. Okay. I like that. Uh, so then you get to LSU and you're, um, what was that experience like? Was it, was college basketball everything you wanted it to be? It was hard. Was it? It was hard. I mean, and it's funny how, you know, you hear the cliche, you know, it's fast. Mm -hmm. It's fast. Okay. You, you always say, I love how you say the older the kids get, the, the game gets faster. Yes. But then the, the, I don't know, the more they work on fundamentals and teamwork and then they can slow the game down. Exactly. Right? Yeah. yeah. And, and even with our kids that I coach now at hot shots elite, I tell them if we're the most athletic team mm -hmm. and we're just superior, we're going to run them out the gym. If we have an idea that they may, may be more athletic than we are, we'll play BYU basketball. Yeah. We will Princeton back cut whatever yeah. we have to do to stay within the game. We will completely slow the pace down. And it's to me, it's the same thing in life. Yeah. As long as you have that lottery tickets, you can play it, but make sure that your fundamentals are all together so that you have something to fall back on just in case it's a rough day. Okay. Um, and, and so, man, there's a part of me that wants to jump around a little bit. Cause if there are people that, you know, I, I could listen to the stories about you played overseas <laughs> and the college ball and I could hear that stuff all day. Right. Um, but, but I also maybe we'll kind of tease a little bit of some of the deeper uh, topics that we want to get to too. You kind of mentioned, um, the teams that you coach. Talk a little bit about the team. You you came and coached this uh, program called Hot Shots Elite. Correct. We're, uh, we're up in Northern California. And maybe here's the first plug of, I want to bring Coach Charles on because I think he's going to talk a lot about just how to motivate kids. And, uh, and, and again, we're going to kind of talk a little bit about the whole AAU culture and basketball. But um, we're also going to a tournament. And Coach Charles has done some amazing things with a group of kids who, you know, he didn't uh, recruit. He right. didn't uh, just grab kids to, to make an all-star team. He Correct. took a bunch of kids and kind of taught them the right way. And so I'm going to have, I have a link on the show notes for the site uh, where you can donate because um, we're, you know, we got some, some kids that maybe need a little help getting down there right. in San Diego for I the agree. California games. Yes. And, uh, and it was something that we didn't, I don't know if we even expected, like you said, to get down there. No. So there's some cost involved. Yes. Yeah. So if you're motivated by Coach Charles and if you're not, 
I don't know how you, you can't be, then uh, hit the the link in the show notes and uh, maybe throw us a couple bucks and we'll get Coach Charles a nice steak dinner down there. Right? Sure. Yeah. <laughs> uh, all right. So talk about your team. How'd that come about? Wow. So um, first of all, it's, it's a weird situation. Um, they have built a new Dave and Buster's in the Roseville area at the time. Uh-huh. I had gone to that Dave and Buster's and I wanted to watch my cousin at the time who was at Duke playing basketball. Oh, So I wanted to go watch her game. It wasn't on regular TV. And I figured Dave and Buster's was kind of like the sports bar thing. Maybe yeah. they would have it. And I ran into a guy across the bar or area where you're watching the games at called coach Chris. And I've never heard the story. I haven't saw coach Chris since coach Chris was maybe 15 or 16 years old when I was coming back home from college and overseas and playing basketball at the park. Mm -hmm. And he yells across the bar. I know you. Yeah. And I'm thinking I just moved to Sacramento, never been to Roseville. I've been here for about eight months. You don't know. me. Yeah. He comes across, he introduces himself and sure enough, he was the kid from Union City that I knew from years back. Wow. Okay. And he told me about a gym. He was coaching his daughter. Mm-hmm. I don't want to coach. I don't want to coach kids at all. You didn't or coach Chris? I didn't. You didn't. Okay. I didn't want to coach kids at all. I wanted to have nothing to do with it. How come? I just didn't know if coaching was my thing. I didn't okay. know if if I could teach what I knew. Yeah. And that was the hardest thing for me to get over. So Coach Chris had a men's league team, and I played there. Uh-huh. His daughter had a game before one of our games, so I went, met Jacob, uh-huh. and there it was. I, one. I had no idea yeah. that you you didn't get into that to to coach that that wasn't your goal. No, okay, no. So I have I've had a couple of clients that have done a little bit of coaching at, at different sports, and and there is a tell me if this is true. Then for somebody that was good at playing, it can be frustrating because you just want to say just just do it right. And that is why I bought Coach Chris with me. Okay. Coach Chris was a football player at Logan, played wide receiver. Uh-huh. I was a basketball guy that worked hard at football. Okay. He was a football guy uh-huh. that worked hard at basketball. Okay. I knew he could show them what I expected them to already know. Okay. And then you having that experience with football, you knew, hey, you don't just do this. You right. Gotta, you got to put in some work. So I told Jacob. I said, the only way, because he said, I have a group of kids that I want you to coach. It was mm-hmm. at a men's league game. He said, I have a group of kids that I want you to coach. And I told him, I can't coach kids unless, and he said he was going to pay the coaches and everything. Yeah. So I said, unless Coach Chris comes with me, I can't do it. Okay. And he said, well, I'm not paying the assistant coach. I said, well, don't worry about that. Mm-hmm. I'll give him half of my check. Okay. Like, don't worry about paying him. I just want to make sure that he'll be able to get paid. Gotcha. And he said, yeah. So I told him, okay, whatever you're going to pay me, cut it in half, write him his own check, write me my own check. Okay. And that's how we got started. So, all right, let's, while we're right here, and, and I still want to go back to some of your overseas experience, sure. I want to do that. But while we're right here, now, talk about, you walk, I now I'm dying to know, right? So you <laughs> walk into the gym the first day. What do you see? First of all, do you pick him up in sixth grade or fifth grade? It was going into the fifth grade, so fifth late grade. fourth, early fifth. Okay, so it's been six, seven, four years? Yes. Okay, you walk in there. What are you expecting, but what do you see? But you haven't coached kids. I mean, what are you thinking you're going to see? I honestly went in there because I knew the Roseville area. Yeah. So I was expecting to see younger white males playing basketball. Okay. 
and I walked into exactly what my expectations were. Yeah. But what I noticed is that everyone was small. Okay. So everybody was short. And I said, oh, my goodness, we're going to be in trouble. Okay. Bunch of short white kids (laughs) playing basketball. Right. Playing basketball. Yeah. Now, do you remember when you walked in and they, when you see the look of the parents and the kids and what are you seeing from them? Well, the first time I saw the team, Mm -hmm. it was actually in a tournament. Okay. And Jacob had told me to come and Jacob was sitting at the head of the bench. He introduced me to the kids and I sat at the end of the bench. And then the second game, Jacob moved to the end of the bench and had me at the head of the bench. Okay. And then the third game, Jacob was gone. Oh. And so it was almost like a seamless transition, but he kind of surprised everybody. Yeah. So the kids just went from listening to one voice to kind of hearing my voice to hearing my voice solely. And then when I found out that that wasn't all of the kids that we were going to have a tryout, mm. And I was like, well, is this kid going to stay? Is that kid going to stay? He was like, yeah, those were the five kids that I were talking about. Gotcha. So I said, fine. Okay. We could take those five. Yeah. So, and I'd ask you if it was okay if we kind of kind of dive into a little bit of the, and some of the, I got some comments from some of the parents that are sure. just amazing, right? But so from, from like, you know, if we look at the race aspect, right? Right. Do you feel like the kids, there was anything there that was like, you know, wait a minute that, you know, this coach isn't, he's not a a white dad who's going to whatever, you know, be on his phone the whole time. To be perfectly honest with you. Yeah. I wasn't worried about the kids. Yeah. I was more worried about being accepted by the parents. Okay. And that's why I was curious, right? So at that point, the kids don't even know. Right. I mean, you know, it really is. I know you hear the cliches, but they don't know. No. Right. Not those kids. Yeah. And, and so I was more worried about the parents accepting me coming from Jacob mm-hmm. and you know with the with the religion ties yeah and so I was kind of worried yeah about that whole aspect of it but I couldn't have asked for anything better than what I've yeah walked into hopefully Jacob won't listen to this but so all we saw was like okay hey we get a like a coach's I'm joking I was like playing basketball <laughs> not Jacob right <laughs> You didn't want a soccer guy anymore. No, no. Yeah, we'd, we'd heard enough soccer stories. Right. <laughs> Love you, Jacob. <laughs> right. So then you come in. All right. So that's uh, that's pretty fascinating, though. That is. So all right. Now let's. Uh, man, see, I'm I'm wanting to just jump ahead, you know, because I want to go back, and maybe this is okay. It's my podcast. We can, right? We'll do whatever we want. Right. right? So I did We're ask for listen. right. Exactly. I did ask for some of the feedback from some of the parents, and there's one that I sent coach today because it just it kind of. Uh, I don't know. It just really touched me, blew my mind. And I thought it was amazing because kind of where we're starting with, with when I'm saying, okay, this, this uh, race component, right? Correct. So one of the parents said, let's be honest here with a few exceptions. Our team is Lily white middle-class kids from Roseville. Facts. <laughs> <laughs> he nailed it. Right. He says they have no business being in Oakland. Uh, definitely no business playing basketball in Oakland. Coach Charles is African-American and he has seen firsthand the apprehension. Some of the kids had had when playing African-American kids. He took some time out to show them that, and this is why I love this, that African-American kids are just like they are, that they're trying to be the best they can be. They've learned to be able to play against anybody, no matter the team, age, or race, and they give it their all. They played great against some really great teams, African-American, Asian, Latino, and everything in between. Coaches taught them that between the lines is where your abilities show who you are and not what you look like. He says, I love that my son has had many positive interactions with a multitude of races that he may not have had otherwise had. Coach Charles is a positive African-American role model whose interactions are helping shape my son's viewpoint of the world. Wow. Right? 
That's different. I mean, what is that? I don't know. When you're reading that, what are you, what are you, what are you feeling? What are you thinking? I'm going to look into the camera and I'm going to look at what we're being seen on to make sure that he's talking about me. Yeah. Okay. It, it, that's not what I'm trying to do. See, and that's what I love. And we were talking a little bit off the camera where, um, and I kind of throw it out this, uh, as I'm setting up, I mean, all the lights and all this stuff. And I'm like, coach, you know, the, this podcast is getting tens of thousands of downloads. And I keep waiting for somebody to open the door and say, Hey, uh, you don't know what you're doing. Right. right? So right. we need to take that equipment. Um, so, and, and, and you know, in my world is called imposter syndrome. Right. I mean, and so I wish I was surprised to hear that you kind of say that you, Exactly that. the same way. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So when you hear that, and, and I echo that, I mean, you've done more for my kid and, and kind of shaping his view of the world. Right. And so that's the part where you're like, I thought I was just coaching basketball. Yeah. And that's all. Yeah. You know, and, and granted, I do tell the kids, you know, as well as a coach, I am there to teach them a few life's lessons. Mm-hmm. It might not be the way you would hear it at home. Yeah. But the lesson still is the same. And when I got to say what we've talked about before is that, and gr- quite frankly, a 14 year old boy doesn't want to hear it at home. Right. I mean, True. They're listening to yeah. you. If right. I'm telling them that they're like, you don't get it. Dad. Right. Right. And, and I try to do it in a language that you wouldn't hear it at home. Yeah. Not necessarily foul, mm-hmm. but fun, more yeah. hip hop, yeah. more, more cool, you know? Yeah. And, and so I try to do it to them that way, yeah. you know, and that might, might be why they'll listen to me a little more. Yeah. But I really think it's the basketball thing that has them kind of hooked. Okay. And I love that too, because I've had people before tell me that, you know, there's certain people that think that there's, I don't know, sports are not good or they, they are too competitive or they teach, but that right there kind of says to me that it's a little bit bigger than just playing basketball. Yeah. You got to teach the life's lessons too. Yeah. So, um, in, in, and also you have had our kids, uh, go get check up on grades you sure. told them they won't play if they get, you know, below sure. uh, what a 2.0, I sure. think it is, if they miss classes. Sure. And I think sometimes they're like, wait a minute, what is he doing? This is AAU ball, right? right. It is. Yeah. Which I love it. So let's kind of talk a little bit there. For, for anybody who doesn't know, um, AAU ball, was that around when you were young? Yes. Okay. What did it look like back then? Um, it was intense, not by far, not as huge. Okay. It was still the elite of the elite. Okay. Instead of having two or three kids from a high school team, you would probably have like one kid from this high school, one kid from that high school. You would have like seven or eight players. Uh It was intense basketball. It's the same level where you're going to play the best of the best in your area. Uh Just wasn't this many teams and it wasn't, as many facilities. Okay. I would say was, I mean, available. Now, now there's a tournament every weekend, right? Yeah. There's a bunch of teams. And I think what that has led to is, and I, well, I couldn't wait to put this part out there. I, we have never had a time where some kids running up to the bench before a game and you're handing them a uniform and shaking his hand saying, what's your name? No. And I feel like that's kind of what, why some of the AU has got a little bit of a bad name. Cause you know, we play these teams where they've never played together. Yeah. They're working on plays as they're warming up, yeah. hey, you're supposed to be here. You, you got to go there. Yeah. Because their goal is what their only goal is win. That's it. Yeah. Give me the best athletes it, to me. And, and I shouldn't say it as an AAU coach, Yeah, but AAU basketball is give me the best athletes in my area, regardless to what, and let's just go and run and gun. And, and, and if and we get like, more possessions, we win. Okay. And then it's like, to, to what point, right? The kids get a trophy. The coach says he's good. I mean, my kid doesn't even, we got trophies in the floorboard of my car. Right. right? I mean, that's, so that's why I appreciate that, that you know, we want to get a little more out of this. Right. And, 
And that's why I take my time to go out and watch a kid play their middle school game. Yeah. To watch a kid go to their high school and watch their high school game. Because at the end of the day, as a coach, I'm learning. Mm -hmm. And there might be something that a kid can do that I see him doing for another coach that I can implement as well in our game plan. Okay. And then I also see coaches out there that shouldn't be coaching and should come to or go to some coaches clinics to be able to communicate with kids and learn not necessarily how to coach basketball, but just how to interact with a child that you may not know and learn how to get to know that kid to find out what makes them tick. Okay. And here's where I love that. uh, Maybe you didn't even know the impact you were having on these kids and on the families, but you mentioned, I mean, you, you would go to our, the kids rec games, you'd go to a kid's middle school game. And so they're seeing this again, a positive male role model that cares about them. Right. And, and that's that part where I feel like uh, we need more of that. I agree. Yeah. And I mean, it's, it's tough, you know, because at the end of the day, a lot of us have full-time jobs. Yeah. But I feel like my father, my coaches, you know, Coach Quick, Steve, all of those guys, they had full-time jobs when I was growing up. I was these kids' ages. And they figured out a way to make work and basketball go together to benefit me. Okay. So I feel like it's my duty to make work and basketball benefit for these kids. Even if it's take a half day of vacation. Okay. Man. To go watch a kid play six minutes of a game. Yeah. And they notice. They'll see you there. Yeah. And it makes a difference. Yeah. So uh, how hard or has it been hard at all to not go that um, all-star team route or that recruiting route, or, you know, we need to get that big kid or, you know, has that been difficult? It's always hard, but I've never been one to back down from a challenge either. Yeah. And so I absolutely get a kick out of per se this weekend, Mm. six kids on the roster guys are out on vacation. One guy gets his lip messed up. One guy has a bad back. We end with five, we go two and one. We lost one game by three points. Dang. To me, that's a championship. Yeah. Medal, no medal, name on the board, lights or whatever. The best basketball I've ever seen guys play. Wow. Every minute, every second, five kids against nine guys. One of the teams that we beat at the end, the very last team, they won the Yellow Jackets tournament like three or four months ago that they won. So they're quality teams. Yeah. And these kids beat them. Yeah. So, and one of the things I look forward to after every game, by the way, is I tell my wife all the time, you know, uh, I'm like, hang on, I got to get over and hear coach Charles. Cause this is like, <laughs> this is better than a Disney movie. Right. At this point, right? I mean, that's where I, I'm kind of curious when you come up with those speeches after games, I mean, what, where, where do those come from? My heart. Okay. Nothing's written. And it's, it's basically, that whole day or really that whole basketball week Wednesday at practice, you know, Monday at rec practice, Friday night rec game, Saturday's tournament, sometimes Saturday's and Sunday's tournament. 
that's that whole week mm. from my heart to those kids. Yeah. Of our performance. Yeah. And that just brings it just it just seals the deal. Yeah. You know, and if we play great, it's great. And if we play bad, then I let them know and I take the wins and the losses. Okay. If the kids just played horribly, then I will tell them that you guys played bad and you guys messed this one up. Yeah. But nine times out of 10, we're in every game. And if they give me everything that they have, I'll take that. Good. Right. Yeah. That's all I can ask. Um, A couple of years ago, or when was it? You had a pretty bad health scare. Talk about that. I mean, that's, you know, talk about things kind of getting real. Yeah. um, Real bad diabetic. Okay. Um, My wife figured it out late one night. Um, I was taking insulin. I'm not, I've never been a medicine person. Uh Um, And so my body really had bad reactions to the insulin. Okay. So, I've passed out from low blood sugar from taking exactly what they tell me to take on my insulin. Okay. Um, I believe the kids were at the gym one night when I, my sugar dropped down really low and I passed out there at the gym in a rec league. Game. Um, but anyway, to, to make a long story short, I was blessed. Um, I was able to get a kidney and a pancreas wow. a transplant. Um, and what the elite that? kids got me through it. Well, what was that? I mean, because I remember just we would hear little bits of rumor. You know, Coach Charles passed out. Right. He's going to be okay. You right. know, he, he might have missed the practice. I mean, were, were you kind of right. keeping that under wraps for a bit? or um, I just didn't want other people to become worried. Yeah. And then what ends up happening is that people become too involved in, are you supposed to be eating that? Uh, Should you be doing this? Yeah. At the end of the day, I'm grown. I'm going to go home and if I want to eat a piece of candy, I'm going to eat that piece of candy. Yeah. And I don't need somebody else's mom and dad being my mom and dad. I hear from my mom and dad enough. Yeah. So I, I didn't want everybody to know it, but it wasn't like I was hiding it. Okay. I mean, if somebody asked and I would tell them, yeah. Um, the worst part of everything was when I had lost my vision. Okay. And, and that's, I, I mean, I think that was a part where I remember hearing, you know, uh, Jake saying things like, I think coach Chris just pointing coach in the right direction and coaches, you know? Yeah. Is that it? Yeah. I, what was that? I mean, so when, when, when did that happen? Was that while you were waiting for that was, it was, I don't remember exactly when, but I was on the pancreas and kidney transplant list. Okay. Um, it was right around Thanksgiving it was a, a Wednesday because my wife and I had left practice mm. and we went to the Galleria. Okay. So it's around Christmas time where there's extended hours. We went to the Galleria and we're walking around and a block, a black spot came on my eye. And up to that point, what, what were the symptoms of what you've been going through? Just was it fatigue or was it just, I was tired, but uh-huh. it wasn't really like physical. It was or- yeah. It wasn't really bothering me. Okay. But when the black spot came on my eye, I was like, man, I have a spot on my eye. Wow. And then my wife working at Kaiser, being in nursing, she was like, maybe it's a floater. Just blink a couple times, it'll go away or whatever. And I blinked, still there. I lift my eye up to the air, still there. I was like, that's not going nowhere. Mm-hmm. But I was still able to walk around. It didn't completely black out my vision. It was just like an oil spot. Okay. Like if you took some, some car oil and put it in a cup of water, yeah. it would just be that one solid spot. It was like that. 
And then I said, she said, well, let's just go to the doctor. And being a guy, no, it'll go away. I'm going to sleep on it. Yeah, ignore it. Went to sleep, woke up the next day, still there. No, I'm not going. About two days later, I went to sleep and my whole world was clouded. Wow. What was that? I mean, so you wake up, you open your eyes and it's... And it was just cloudy, like everything. Wow. The TV, you would just see, you know, semi-black rim and just like a blob of like colors. Wow. So I wasn't completely blind where it was dark. I was blind where all I could see was a mass. Wow. I mean, is that when kind of we get pretty scared? Or? Yeah, that's when I was kind of scared. But my wife was like, but you were never depressed. So I was never down. Yeah. And I completely coached through the whole thing. I, I, I mean, we only heard rumors. I mean, you were you were doing well. We'd say every now and again where your wife would kind of be guiding you a little bit. Right. Yeah. yeah. I put my arm on her shoulder, put my <laughs> hand on her shoulder and have her walk me through the gym and... You know, people would, the most embarrassing thing or the hardest thing to do was to hear some of the younger kids say hi to me and for me not to know who it is. Yeah. And I couldn't turn or tell where the voice was coming from. I just kind of had to put my head down and just kind of keep walking. Mm -hmm. So it was kind of hurtful to me because I couldn't talk to that one little kid, whether yeah. they be six, seven, or eight years old. All of the other kids knew yeah. that I coached that I couldn't see. And so so what did the doctor say at that point? I mean, was there any worry about this could remain, or was it? Yeah, they didn't know what was going on. Oh, wow. Um, they sent me to an eye specialist here in Roseville at Kaiser, and then I just had severe hemorrhaging, a lot of bleeding from the veins behind my eye, which the vision has to go through that portion uh-huh. to be able to see through. So that was just all oh, of the blood so clouding it. that okay. was clouding it up. Wow. So then what was that? What happened next then? I, I didn't realize, I mean, was that was all related to the, yes, that was all related the diabetes, to the, diabetes. the kidney, the pancreas. Yes. Okay. So I ended up getting the kidney and pancreas transplant done first. When you remember when, so if this stuff was happening around Thanksgiving, was it before the end of the year or did you have to, well, I went, I went to, all I know is when I went to UCSF, we had a tournament in a couple of weeks. Yeah. And I went to UCSF because they called me and said they thought they had a match. So my wife packed up my clothes and I told her, I'm not going to surgery without my hot shot elite shirt. Okay. And she said, what? And I said, I want a hot shot elite shirt while we're driving to San Francisco. And I want to wear a hot shot elite shirt on the way back from San Francisco. Wow. And she was like, why? I said, because those kids are what's going to get me through this. Okay. And she was like, okay. So I put on my leash shirt, went to San Francisco, popped open, woke up in much pain, walked around a couple of days. They said, I'd be in there like nine days and I'm counting the calendar because we had a tournament that following weekend. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and so I got, out, if I'm not mistaken, it was a Wednesday or Thursday. Yeah. And on the way home, I told my wife, I said, the boys play on Saturday. <laughs> and she was like, and you want to go? Yeah. And I still had my vision at this time. And I said, yeah, I'm going. And she was like, I don't know how you're going to do it. I yeah. said, I'll figure it out. Okay. And I was fresh out of surgery, 75 staples in my stomach. Dang. That's okay. Cause I remember here, like, did you, did you get some bleeding down there at one point? Yeah. 
Dang. Yeah. Okay. And so I went and coached. I told the boys I can't yell. Yeah. So you guys, when I call timeouts, I got to tell Coach Chris to call timeout. How hard was that? It was rough because Coach Chris sits down at the end of the bench. So yeah. I would kind of lean over and wave my hand, <laughs> and he would be like, okay. And he would call for timeout. Yeah. And I just told the boys, I'm going to sit right here in this chair. So mm-hmm. I was Phil Jackson in it. Okay. I sat in my chair, and they ran over, and they got around me. And I was able to just talk to them in a normal tone. They went out there and executed. Yeah. They did the hard part. They yeah. played. That was crazy. I mean, that I didn't know. Now it makes more sense why you were kind of because we were like, Coach, should you, should you be out here? Like, I'm fine. You right. Know? right. And, then, and then somebody at one point is saying, I think he's bleeding from his stomach, you know? Yeah. And I, and like, well, yeah, it's nothing. Yeah. You know? Yeah. But uh, no, this whole, I mean, so here you are, you're teaching the life lessons of the kids, but then you're saying the kids are kind of what helped pull you through. Correct. They, I know for a fact they got me through it. Yeah. Um, because I knew that I couldn't let them down. Yeah. And I had to let them know that no matter what was going on, whether it be at home, physically, emotionally, you got to keep fighting. Yeah. I mean, they got it too. I mean, that was a, that was a, let's win this for coach. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I don't know. You, know you, were, you were in a lot of family prayers there for a while too. Oh yeah. And if I, you're feeling that. Right? I take all those. Yeah. I yeah, take yeah. all those. I appreciate it. All of them. So how's that recovery been? Great. Um, Three surgeries on each eye. Oh. Plus the kidney and pancreas transplant back to normal. Okay. No medications, no diabetes. Really? Well, I'm on medications. I have to take my anti-rejection stuff okay. for the kidney and pancreas. Yeah. But no more insulin, no diabetes. Okay. I'm back on a regular diet. And That's yeah, a miracle. That it, really is. It is. I mean, I remember uh, playing basketball with you about a year ago on one of those practices and forgetting that this guy had had a kidney and a pancreas yeah. transplant, and, yeah. right? Yeah. And you still playing now? Yeah. I'm trying. Yeah. But okay. I don't know if I'm playing as much. I need to take off these 30 pounds, but yeah. <laughs> I'm going to get there. That's right. <laughs> so, all right. One of the things I love is, you know, you've kind of alluded to there's some times where you you might, you know, get a little bit uh, boisterous, a little loud. Correct. Know, right? Correct. Uh, nothing better than, by the way, there's, you know, that some of us have some video of like when one of my kids hit a couple buckets and you like doing a dance in the background. <laughs> some of the greatest ever, right? <laughs> right. And yeah. Get into it. I, I love it. <laughs> I love it. I love the kids. I love the game. Yeah. I, I'm excitable. Yeah. And then, um, so then talk about though, what I just think is the coolest thing, if I can speak from the parent. So my kid, you know, good player, I think. And he, and he doesn't really enjoy the getting yelled at. Right. Right. He gets the yelling. Right. But, and man, you picked up on that so fast and you even told me all you have to do is point to mm-hmm. your head. Right. Yeah. I mean, you coach to the kid, right? Which that's the part where I feel like now go back. Then I'm not. I'll do the. You know, I don't know a lot of the other AAU coaches, but you know, go back to that all star mentality. Um, nice to meet you before the game. Here's your uniform, right. and then it's basically just screaming, "Go over there, go over there, right? Just run, right? right? Exactly. You get to know each and every kid. You mm-hmm. get to know what motivates them, and then I mean, so I don't know how hard was that at first. Um, you know, the whole thing of learning a kid. You can do that simply by watching them interact with their buddies. Okay. So I'm a coach that believes I should be at the gym prior to practice. Uh, there's a couple coaches or a couple go. parents that talked about that, yeah, by the way, the things I've, you've taught them. Yeah. Okay. I believe that I need to be there before the kid, because if I tell a kid to be there 30 minutes early, 
and I'm showing up 15 minutes early. What's going to tell that parent that being 15 minutes? Well, your coach not even there. Yeah. So why do why do I have to get you there a half hour early when your coach isn't there until 15 minutes early? Yeah. So I can't hold the parents accountable and then the kids accountable for their parents. Because I know as a kid, when my coach used to tell me to be there a half hour early, mom, I don't care what you have on. You can drop me off down the street, but I got to go. Yeah. You know, yeah. And so the kid's accountable for the parent as well as the parent has to be accountable for getting the kid there. But it's all on the coach. Mm-hmm. And so I kind of watch the way the kids interact with each other. And I find out who my leaders are, who are my little weekend warriors that are just going to do what the other guy says and not really complain, but might not like it. Yeah. And I just cater all of that into what. I feel that kid needs to become better. Yeah. I have to tell you when I was telling my wife, you know, she was excited to have hear this interview and she's like, you just got to tell the audience that they just have to go find a coach Charles, right? That's all they got to do. Um, that's, yeah. hard. that's hard. <laughs> so here's what one of the, one of the uh, parents said that they, they love your ability to coach and teach based on individual personality. Some kids can handle uh, a little bit more loud in their face. And some um, kids will have that approach go in one ear and out the other. And then they, they talk about their particular kid is the latter. They say he's been a tough nut to crack, even a challenge for coach. But uh, coaches worked with them and found out what works. Their kid's highly intelligent, but underspoken to a flaw. Love the way they put that. Right. Charles has forced them to come out of that shell. He takes minutes away and sends messages in different ways. And it's forced their kid to have to say, uh, hey, what do I need to do here? He doesn't like to show emotion, which is fine. But if that's the case, you better be able to talk to coach and tell him what's on your mind so we can get on the same page. And, you know, and, and, and that's the part where I hear that kind of stuff, what you've done with my kid, um, what you've done here, you've kind of in that, you know, you've got a, Jake, Jake will tell me often about like group uh, chats that are like, you're, you're like just telling them funny jokes or, right. or then other ones, it's like, Hey, go watch these clips. Mm-hmm. I didn't even know that was going yeah. on or go look at this player or right. watch this, you know, this, this highlight reel yeah. or whatever. I mean, I, the, our group chat has no parents in it for a reason mm-hmm. because it's my time to be a kid. Okay. And I get on that eighth grade going into the ninth grade level with the best of them. You, you played NBA 2K with them. Right. I, why not? You know, I'm not going to get on Fortnite. <laughs> I was gonna say, my favorite line was like, you, you were telling they're all playing Fortnite. You're yeah. like, I'm getting on Fortnite. I'm like, I don't have any wood. Right. Yeah. I don't have no wood. Y'all over there yelling at me. Like I yell at you in the game. Oh, I'm not dealing with that. <laughs> Coach, go over there. Hurry up, nah. Oh. Shoot him. No, nope. I don't want none of that. I don't want that problem. <laughs> I love it. Um, okay, let me ask you, going back to the AAU stuff, I love okay. it. One of the parents said, AAU kids love the star power of the NBA, um, even though they would be better served to watch a more team-oriented college game. How do you think the rise of Steph Curry and the deep shooting ability has changed the NBA? And I've thought about it, you know, and, and, and they go on to say, how has it impacted the youth game? Are kids only interested in having logo depth? and shooting from half court to the detriment of the mid-range game, uh, the post-game, fundamentals. You know, what are your kind of thoughts going into that from a coach's standpoint? Um, I agree with all of that um, because it comes down to everybody does what they they see. Mm -hmm. So kind of with the whole thing of you are what you eat. Mm -hmm. If you're eating Steph Curry, you're shooting from 30. Yeah. If you're watching Shaq at six, you're dunking on people in the post. Yeah. So you are what you eat. The same thing with the Allen Iverson. Yep. You got 30 points, but you took 32 shots. Yeah. In my eyes, it's bad basketball. So the involvement of the game has gone to shooting threes, 
I am a victim of coaching that as well, but I do it more so as a strategy Mm -hmm. versus individuals because we do have a post guy that I love to see work. So we get him a bunch of touches. We do have athletic runners that I love to see get out in the open floor. So we do push the tempo, but we have a few great shooters as well. And as an undersized team, our benefit to us is to get out open in the fast break as an undersized team to feed the post. Cause our big has great footwork and good size. But one of our key things is the fact that I have four kids who can really shoot the basketball. Yeah. And if that's what we're going to be good at, then that's what we're going to feature. And I try and make it more of a 50, 50 thing more than the 70. I don't want to go Houston Rockets. Yeah. You know, I don't want to go Houston Rockets where we're shooting 40 and I'm the coach saying, well, I can see where we can get 53s up a game. Right. I don't want to go D'Antoni. Yeah. I just want to be more consistent and more like a Boston. Like I've always told the kids, I want to be the Spurs. I want everybody to get me 12. Okay. And if I get nine kids to give me 12, we're going to be hard to beat. Yeah. I love it. I, and every now and again, I, my, my kid will be a little guilty if he's feeling it. You're like, all right, you got let one more. Let you it rip. One more. Right. Let it rip. You hit two or three, <laughs> give it to him again. Yeah. Um, I, I did I, another couple of, of the parent comments. One of them is uh, one of the parents who talked about where the, the kid had kind of taken something away, maybe, um, maybe a little bit the wrong way, but that they, what they loved was that this kid called, called you up. And yeah. felt like they had a relationship with you where they could call you up because they knew you were going to hear them. Yeah. I mean, I think that, that that shows a lot of character that you have taught that those kids mm-hmm. to, to kind of um, self-advocate, speak up for themselves. Most definitely. Um, there's another parent that, I, I mean, she says, uh, you took these kids, young, timid fourth grader, and now a strong, independent young man that feels there's nothing and no one on the court that can stop him. Uh, son's confidence has grown triple full because of coach Charles, but here's what I think is touching about that. I mean, you've taught him more than basketball, sportsmanship, having your teammates back life skills that go beyond the court and, uh, love for the kid shows in so many ways, but this is the part that I just love. I want you to hear this being a single mom with a teenage son, um, without a dad around that, that, you know, you have played an incredible role in, in like mentoring this kid and, and, and kind of giving him that positive male role model. I mean, is that the stuff you've thought about when you're at Dave and Buster's and you see coach Chris and he says, Let's coach some basketball. Never. Okay. Never. I, I mean, I don't know. I just think that's what we're supposed to do. As, as the older generation, I just think that that's one of the things that is lost mm. with this generation coming in. Talk about that. Okay. Um, when I grew up, I would go to the park. I had what I would call my brothers who are my older leaders on the block. Um, ride their bikes down to the house. I'd get on my bike. We'd ride to Allendale park mm. early in the morning. Flaminski will be out there. Coach Flem will play with Flem. We'd leave there by one o'clock. We'd go to Brookdale park. We'd play there for a few hours. We would, ride another two and a half, three miles to go to San Antonio park because they had lights. Wow. We would play there. And if one of the high school kids who had a license later on in the day was able to get a car, we would ride to Bollinger Canyon and play out there. When were you playing video games? I wasn't <laughs> right? until I was 
done eating in the shower. Yeah. Back on my bed for about a half hour, maybe 45 minutes. And I was out cold. Okay. But that was Saturday. That was Sunday. Every weekend. Man. And it was just, and I had older guys to just tell me no. Okay. You know, when I wasn't away from home, it wasn't an option to be disrespectful. Okay. You know, um, it wasn't an option. And I don't understand how people my age, maybe a little older and a little younger, allow younger kids, just even at our facility on a Saturday during tournaments, parents included, I'll see kids throwing their balls on the wall. Mm. And I just feel it's my place to go up there and say, hey, man, stop throwing your ball on the wall because I don't go to your mom's house and throw my ball on her wall. Yeah. Like, just respect the facility because if you don't respect the facility, they all go away. Okay. And that's why I love it. So, yeah, you're, te- I mean, you, you're teaching lessons throughout. Yeah. It's not just, yeah. Okay. Um, I got to read it. Okay. I got to read another one. Okay. Okay. Um, Cause that's like everything I'm kind of skimming through here is more talking about all of these lessons you teach. I mean, here's one where and, um, you might remember this one. Uh, this, this dad said proudest moment was when we lost by eight points to the Oakland soldiers mm-hmm. cause we had gotten beat by 60 to Chuck right. A's team. Mm-hmm. Our kids were hanging their heads. Right. They've been up goofing off the night before. Right. You let them know that mm-hmm. that wasn't, you know, the parents have spent money to get down here, yep. taking their time to come down here. Yep. You took your time to come down there, but then, but then kind of, you know, let them know that, all right, all we can do now is, is put that one behind us. And then Oakland soldiers, you know, I mean, they're, they're a ranked team. Could have run yeah. us out of the gym. Right. Yeah. And our kids, Very well. uh, our kids rally. Yeah. And, and that's the thing. And still to this day, when I go visit my parents in Oakland and then I'll go down to jam town or something like that. One of the coaches was always like, man, you got your boys here. Yeah. And they're just like, I said, no, man, I'm just in town. So I just wanted to check out some basketball. And they're always like, man, you got to bring those guys back out here. They said, man, I still don't know how you held the soldiers to under 70 points. Yeah. I said, I knew we couldn't score 70 or 80. So why am I going to let them score 70, 80 and automatically give up? Yeah. Just slow the pace down. That's what I always say. Either we're going to run you out the gym, we can be UNLV or we can be BYU. Yeah. And that's the way I like it. Yeah. We can play you super fast if we're just better. And we can slow you down and play smart. Yeah. And that's what we did with the soldiers. We were just smart. At the end of the day, four kids at 6'3", and our tallest guy is 5'9". Yeah. And they got one too many offensive boards, and they won. Yeah. Good team. Um, all right. I, I kind of skipped a bunch of the overseas stuff, but I got to ask you. So you played in – so kind of jumping back in there, you okay. played some college ball. Correct. At, at what point did you – I mean, were you – did you still have your eyes on the NBA draft? I mean, was that – I didn't make it out of college. Okay. When I went to college, I played two seasons. So I played as a freshman and I played a lot as a sophomore and then I ended up tearing my Achilles tendon. Oh. So I popped my Achilles tendon. My dad told me not to come home. Wow. But when I got hurt, I found out how much I really didn't like school. Okay. I I was just at school to play basketball. Yeah. And once that happened, I told my dad I needed to come home so I could have my surgery. And he told me don't because I'll never go back to school. And I told him, yes, I will. So I bartered my way back in. Uh-huh. Didn't go back. Played in a few men's leagues. Played in the San Francisco Pro-Am at Keysar and all the places over there in San Francisco. 
had a couple offers on the table from different agents from overseas and things of that nature. Recruiters, not really agents, but recruiters from overseas. Nothing ever came through. Mm. And then um, a guy came up to me and was talking about Australia. And I told him, what you going to do? Give me your card, take my number, and never call me like everybody else. Yeah. And he said, no, I'm, I'm serious. And about two weeks later, he asked me, did I have an agent? And told him no. And he said, well, you might want to get somebody that can leave, read paperwork. Wow. So I told him, okay. He sent plane tickets for myself and my father. I have an uncle who's fairly smart. And they went out there with me and read through the paperwork. I stayed in Australia for a year. Did you really? I went over to the Philippines for a couple of years and played there. Um, and at that time, the U.S. national team, the dream team was coming around and the original dream team popped in for a couple of scrimmages out there. In and the Philippines? Was, yeah, and it was fun. Man. Well, okay, so you, all right, got good stories there? Uh, you were telling me before, I loved when you were saying, that's when you kind of realize they're the dream team for a reason. Oh, yeah. Yeah, like, I mean, I could look at a game right now on TV and still think to myself that at 25, I could have stayed in front of you. Yeah. And I can always flash back to when I was 24 and I couldn't stay in front of John Stockton. Okay. All right. I, I grew up a Utah Jazz fan. Right. So I mean, that even I was like, I think I can hang with John yeah. Stockton, right? No. What were some of the things you remember about like scrimmage in the dream team? Um, precision. Oh. They are, while you're playing checkers, they are legitimately playing chess. Yeah. It's it's the difference between a bicycle and a car. You might be the nicest bike in the world. You could be Lance Armstrong riding. Yeah. You still will not be the car in the Tour de France. Yeah. Yeah. And that's where we were. Yeah. It was, I mean, it was always one pass faster, one hesitation move with a with a crossover move that was one thought sooner. Uh-huh. Just I mean. Everything at that level is just so much faster than you can even imagine. Even going to a game and looking at the game, you can't see the actual speed because the other guy he's going against is that same talent. Gotcha. Yeah. You go out there like you're looking at all of the A pluses versus the A's. But we're talking about the A pluses and the A's against the B. Mm. And it's like, man, like I, I tell everybody all the time, Kwame Brown can go to the men's league and play in the top division and get 35. Okay. Kwame Brown, former number one pick that right. is considered a bust, right. right? He is playing in the big three right now. Is he? Yeah. Okay. He's playing in the big three, but he can go at the top men's league anywhere on this planet and go get 35 dominate. and dominate. Man. Yeah. Who, okay, you got to forgive me. I got ADD, right? So my mind just went to, holy cow, what happened yesterday? LeBron <laughs> goes to the Lakers. Right. What do you think? I like it. Yeah. I mean, you have a guy there that legitimately makes you a playoff team now. Mm-hmm. I thought, well, I think LeBron knows something. Okay. I really think Kawhi is going there next year. Okay. I think they're going to wait till next year just because they don't want to have to give up the young talent to get him this year. Uh And I think Kawhi and LeBron have had their talk and it's a sworn secret between those two because magic can't know because that's tampering. Right. 
I think it's a sworn secret between those two. I really think that's why LeBron signed there. And I think it was out of Paul George and Kawhi. Paul George could have came for free uh-huh. and would have got the max deal. He decided to stay. Kawhi is next in line. So I think Kawhi is going to do what Paul George was trying to do. But I think regardless to where he goes, and I'm going to say this with a caveat, unless it's Boston. Oh, okay. Because I think if he goes to Boston, yeah, he's going to stay there. Okay. Because if I was him, I would stay in Boston. Because I still think the Lakers are a piece away, even with Kawhi, yeah. to beating at least the Warriors. I'm gonna I'm gonna isolate this clip. It's gonna be put out there, right? And uh, you will you will like now you'll be an analyst after people hear you nail this thing down. Next year, right? Um, all right, I've had you for over an hour, but I still want to go with the uh, couple more things really quick. Okay. Any uh, playing overseas? What I always hear these stories about in Europe where they're you know they're throwing batteries at you and the AC doesn't work in the gym, or was that the experience? It's it is high class. 85% of the time. Okay. When you're in the NBA, you're high class plus some. You're in the Ritz. Mm. For overseas, you're at a really nice hotel. Okay. Um, the fans, yes. And, I mean, it's, they have football fans or soccer fans at the basketball game. Okay. You got to enjoy it, though. Yeah. There's nothing more. Still to this day. As a rec league coach and an AAU coach, there is nothing better than me walking in the gym and seeing a coach or a parent or a kid on the other team that don't like me. Really? There's nothing better than that. Yeah. How come? I don't know. (laughs) I just, because if you don't like me, yeah, obviously I'm doing something right. Okay. Because I like all the teams that I beat. Yeah. I don't like any of the teams that I lose. Okay. Right. So that means that, yeah, they, they're like, okay, here comes this team. Yeah. Here comes that coach. Mm-hmm. And then I go back, not trying to go back to, you know, but then is that, do you, you know, when you bring these according to this dad, Lily white kids from Roseville in, I mean, is there a little bit of uh, extra, okay, this is kind of fun. You know, when you do beat up on some of these teams, I laugh every time. Okay. And, you know, just going back to this weekend, um, a trainer, that was at our facility saw us over at the other gym and he saw the other kids warming up and he asked me, he said, coach, how many do you have? And I said, man, we only have five. He was like, I'm looking at the way these guys warming up sooner or later in this game, they're going to realize that they are in a basketball game. Okay. Game started off in two and a half minutes, 11, nothing us. Okay. I said, well, they've noticed it a little sooner than I expected, but yeah, they know they're in the game now. Yeah. Yeah. And they couldn't recover from that. Yeah. So, so do you see overall, do you see AAU um, many changes made? And so Commissioner uh, uh, Silver was talking about, what was he trying to do? He wants to go down and overhaul the AAU program or the, I mean, was that just talk? I think it's talk. I think Commissioner Silver is doing what he should be doing. Uh-huh. If anything, I think these organizations in the AAU, I think the AAU person's heads should come together and really get something together to stop all of these different holdbacks and these age restrictions that are being done that are making the game unfair and really get some good coaches in there. Like my biggest thing about 
being an AAU coach is I enjoy coaching basketball. If I can get five ants to run a play mm-hmm. and shoot a ball, I will coach them. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't matter to me if we win or lose, because at the end of the day, if I was to apply for a high school job, yeah, nobody cares what my AAU record is. Yeah. Nobody cares. They want to know what have you done in high school or middle school or something. They don't care what you did in AAU basketball because that doesn't prove, and we see it a lot, a lot of those coaches can't coach. They just recruit kids. Mm -hmm. I get the kick out of seeing my kids get better. Yeah. And run and play together. And I love, nothing I love more than uh, watching our kids break a press. Oh, yeah. They slow down. They, the, you got them to the point where they act like they don't even care who's in front of them. Mm-hmm. Doesn't matter. Right. They're breaking that press. Yeah. Matter of fact, when we see people press us, we're like, thank you. Right. You press this, yeah. Right? Make us play at our speed that we want to play at. Yeah. But we're going to make you take your press off while we're doing it. Yeah. Because once you get three or four easy buckets, you have to try to figure out something else. And most AAU teams are based upon athletics. So they want to press you Mm -hmm. to get you rattled Mm -hmm. to score 10 or 12 points real fast. And then you're intimidated. Yeah. If you can break their press and then you make them have to go set up in half court, you've done half the battle. Uh, I just realized, I I hope this podcast doesn't get you coaching somewhere else. You get snagged, you're scooped up, right? I'm not going anywhere. (laughs) Um, A couple other things I thought about. You've also coached girls. Yes. What's the difference between coaching girls and boys? Um, girls and boys are different because, and this is the 90 percenters. Okay. 90% of girls, if you tell them, Hey, go stand on the block and wait for the ball to come for you. You could leave and come back tomorrow and she will stand on that block and wait for the ball to come to her. Okay. You tell a boy, Hey, go stand on that block and wait for the ball to come to you. He's going to wait and count to like seven or eight. And he's going to run to the three-point line and be like, man, I'm open. (laughs) That's the difference. Okay. Yeah. That's the total difference. A a girl player, I'm just talking about the 90 percenters, are very disciplined or disciplined or instruction ready. Okay. So you can tell a girl, hey, go here, stand to the count of five, run over there, set a screen. If she doesn't come, run to the other side and do that. You tell a boy to do that. He's going to find the basketball. Yeah. You can say, hey, stay here for five seconds. If the ball doesn't come, run across here. and He'll tell you immediately, mm-hmm. coach, I waited five seconds. You didn't even get there. Yeah. And that guy wasn't coming for the screen. Like he has every reason or every excuse in the book to want to go get the basketball. Right. Right. And that that's the hardest part about coaching the boys. But that is the part that I like more than anything. Okay. Um, Okay, random couple things before we're done. Shoes? Coach, you like shoes? Only a few. <laughs> you told me one time you don't talk about the number, right? Your wife won't let you talk about no, it? No, I only talk about them per year. <laughs> I count shoes from October to October. Okay. Um, last October, <laughs> it was 86 pair from October to October. Okay. Right now I'm at around 50. So I'm doing a lot better. <laughs> All right. You know, I'm a therapist, right? Like we never talked about this, you know, do we need to have intervention? I might. Okay. I might, <laughs> but like I tell people, I don't have a problem because when you have a problem, that means you can't afford it. Right. Exactly. 
my mortgage is always paid. Yeah. My bills are always paid. Yeah. I always have extra money because I'm still coaching. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so that means you have it to works. have some money yeah, coming exactly. back to you somewhere. And you could quit anytime. Yeah. So see, it's not a Sure. Issue. Right. Exactly. <laughs> sure. Uh, <laughs> um, anything else you want to throw in, coach? No, man. Uh, I just love it. And part of coaching is what I do want to say is I have a very supportive wife. Mm, yeah, you do. And she is the one that kind of keeps me sane, especially the time period where I said I was blind. Yeah. She drove me to every practice, whether it be two times a week, three times a week, every game on Friday nights for rec, Saturdays and Sundays for tournaments. Um. And never complained. She would get up in the morning at 4.30, head to work, come home at 2.30, change her clothes. We'll be out the house at 3.30. We wouldn't get home Wednesday night until 10. She would go to sleep, get back up, go to work on Thursday, and be ready for basketball games on Friday nights and Saturdays. She knew how much I meant to you, right? Yeah. She, she, she's good. Was she, uh, she a basketball fan before you met her? No. Okay. She doesn't have a competitive bone in her body. She, she used to get mad at me. We would be playing Clue at my parents' house. <laughs> yeah. And my daughter was a lot younger at the time. And I would look at kind of where she was marking her page at. And I would kind of try and see if I could mark it in the same spot and try to eliminate that person so I could do something. Yeah. She's like, you always cheating about something. I don't know why you just can't play like everybody else. I said, hey. <laughs> If you ain't cheating, you ain't trying. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. I appreciate you coming on. I appreciate you having me. We're heading to uh, San Diego here in about a week or so. Um, California State Games qualified, the opening ceremonies. Everybody's excited. Uh, if you are uh, interested in helping out, we could use some donations. There'll be a link on the show notes of the podcast. Um, all the proceeds go to help bring kids down there. And um, I, I kind of said a steak there, but if it was, it'd be a cheap steak, right? Yeah, small, small, exactly. very small, and a, like a like a not a nice cut. No, no. Okay, all right, Coach Charles, what a pleasure! It's I, I mean, okay, man, I should. It's my podcast. I should say you've. I mean, you. I thought my kid was basically all he was going to do is keep backing up, shooting threes until he was like shooting from <laughs> you know the other side of the court, right? Right. Um, but man, you have taught that kid how to be tough, how to be disciplined. Um, okay. I have to tell you what I loved. So it's gotta be a little selfish here. We were in Reno, uh, right. Reno tournament and, um, you know, my kid had taken a couple of shots. He was, he was hurt a little bit. Yeah. And well, he was hurt. He was hurt. He was hurt. Yeah. Back hamstring and a couple yeah, other things. He was hurt. And, uh, but then we make it to this championship game. Right. And the night before he had, he had said, he's like, I want to hit a game winner, you know? I'm like, yeah, that'd be nice, bro. I want to, I wish I would have hit one too, you know? <laughs> and, uh, he's like, no, I want to hit one. And, and he's had a couple where he's hit a shot and then there's been some time left. Right. right. You know, some, and he's like, I don't want one of those. I want one. I want buzzer beater, I want you know, over, I want it over. <laughs> so we go into this, this, uh, this final game, we get down by what, 14. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty much the whole And day. he like, he undercut, there was something where he went down pretty hard. Right. Yeah. And the he, kid ran into his leg yeah, again. Yeah. So he was out for a little while. And we had a couple of kids step up big, keep us in the game. And sure enough, what happens? 11 seconds left. I'm going to link this to, I got this thing on you. Right. Yeah. 11 seconds left. Uh, coach draws up a play and we're sitting over there thinking, holy cow, my kid's going to get a last second shot. Right. 
You wanted that thing so bad. Gets the pass in there, comes off a nice screen, hits the shot. And I mean, I've never been more excited in my entire life. Right? I don't think I have. Either. <laughs> right. You're jumping. I'm jumping. And that's where I'm going with this. And look at my kid. He's just like, you know, yeah, supposed to. Exactly. Right. And then I loved it after I'm like, Jake, do you get that? That wasn't just a game winner. That was a tournament winner. And he was like, yeah. You know, and I was like, you know, were you, were you like freaking out? He's like, nah, I kind of wanted that cool. You know, I wanted, I wanted to take it cool. He's like, well, you did. <laughs> right. You know, yeah. yeah, you played it off well. Oh, man. Is that, yeah. It's like, well, of course I was. Yeah, right. right. Man, that was one of the greatest times ever. Yeah. And get it right. Yeah. I didn't draw up a play. Okay. Because I have the same kids and I don't recruit. Yeah. That was just a basketball conversation. Nice. I don't use my clipboard anymore. Don't you? Me and the kids speak the same language. Yeah. I spoke to them a play, yeah, but I didn't touch my clipboard not one time. Gosh, okay. I already said I'm wrapping it up, but one, two other things came to mind. I love it. At halftime, what do you do? You come over and walk over and talk to the parents. Yeah, because you guys are nervous. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you come you guys are nervous. Okay, I never knew that you were doing that because you always come over so cool, right? Yeah. Where I was like, how are you going? Yeah, we're yeah. good, right? You, yeah. know? you guys are nervous, and, and I trust, like I said earlier, we have leaders on our team. Mm-hmm. And so I always pick two kids to talk to the team about the changes that we can make. I pick one guy who's been in the fire more, mm-hmm. and I pick one guy who's kind of sat on the bench a little bit oh, more. I that. And I have them talk to the team about what they're seeing and what they're doing. And they're serious about it. I mean, I, you know, they do not they, mess around. And, and I tried it for a little while when they were younger. And the reason why I found out that I could do it is because I would ask another kid, that I didn't pick who went over there and asked them, what were they talking about? Mm. And they would give me the information and it was almost spot on to what I would have said. Yeah. And so I was like, you know what? They can handle half court. That's nice. That is. No, that is. Uh, I thought I had one more thought. Now I just lost it. Um, all right. We're going to go, we're going to go win the goal. California state game, San Diego. <laughs> we going right. <laughs> There's no other reason but to go there to win. Exactly. Yeah. So coach, I appreciate you coming on. I think it was like building up that. Yeah, no, you've taught my kid how to be tough. Um, how to be, you know, speak up for himself, how to be accountable, how not to lose his cool, how not to, you know, back down from any challenge. I mean, you know, we were at a wedding this weekend, but from my understanding, he was playing the four, you know, he's like, yep. and he's boxing out and he's, mm-hmm. I mean, and he just, he stayed in there. And yeah. yeah. Um, so that's, I, I appreciate it. And the, the other kid whose dad said that he was quiet to a fault, played the five. Dang. All game. <laughs> All right. Coach Charles. Hey, pleasure. Appreciate it. Right. No, man. We appreciate it too. And uh, we'll see you down there in San Diego. Yes, sir. All right. All right. (laughs) Okay.